Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Altuve going bombs away on a roll this Chapman to win the ALCS. Why does everybody hate Joe Buck? I don't know. I don't either. Like now that Twitter, everybody, you know who everybody hates because of Twitter, which in itself is just nauseating to me, but who hates Joe Buck? Everybody on Twitter does, but not that anybody on Twitter actually, I mean, that's the thing about Twitter though, is if you curate your feed it's not just a bunch of idiots like if you go on message if you go, if you go on message boards yeah. where everybody's just posting anonymously those yeah. are people that are just idiots because they're hiding behind a screen they're hiding behind a keyboard right but there are so many reputable people that are actually like members of the media and members of the community and members of you know representatives on a national and statewide scale and stuff and people are always just dogging on joe buck and i just don't really get it um, I think Joe Buck's great. <laughs> he is great. My uh, first of all, at Gus Tutel, you'll always know when I hate you, people. I'm not hiding. You're not one to spill vitriol ever. Yeah, I, I find it. I find it nauseating. I, 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 the the worst I will ever do is not comment. That's as negative as I get on uh, on the Twitter machine. It's good. Uh, by the way, it's Tutel Nuanas. I'm Ryan. That's Coulter. We're happy to have you along with us. We're happy to be along with you wherever you are. We're broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway, Missoula, Highway 83, and Sealy online at KurtzPolaris.com. You can find us online as well, 1029ESPN.com. You can listen live on the Listen Live tab via the stream no matter where you are. You find yourself a little hot spot, whatever, got some data, you're good to go, won't even use very much of it. Stream brought to us by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, at 1029ESPN. There you go, the station handle. 1029 ESPN uh, out there for you. 
Um, we are going to uh, have Greg Bell here in just a moment, uh, who covers the Seahawks for the Tacoma News Tribune, talk to us about the uh, football game on Sunday. That was the Seahawks losing uh, handily to the. Uh, do you lose handily? I guess you win handily. Uh, whatever they lost uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. Here's my only. Uh, now I think Joe Buck is first of all an all timer in terms of his ability to do it and do to you know nobody understands. You do an ALCS game on a on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and then you turn around the next day and you do the Sunday football game of the week. I mean, that's remarkable. To how, be how much to of it that. is it just because he is just the guy? I mean, he's doing all the national games. That's right. He's the number one Fox guy, and so you know he's slated obviously to do that that national afternoon football game. Unless there's like a World Series game, you know, and then in which case he'll probably do the World Series. But uh, the only issue I have with Joe Buck ever is that when, you know, they, when you open up the broadcast and you're in the broadcast booth and he asks Troy Aikman or whoever it might be, you know, sitting next to him a question. And then he it, I'm always concerned with what the play by play guy does when he's not talking. I find that fascinating to watch guys try and, quote unquote, act normal, which is already uh, a bit of a uh, of a conundrum. Like if you are acting, it's not normal. That's what it is. But he just looks back and gives this like sort of weird smile to the camera, and I'm just like, what? I mean, it's just I don't know what's a better thing to do, but it just has always seemed weird to me that little thing. But as a broadcaster, he's I mean, I think he's as good as it gets. I don't know why people are having a problem with him. He's trying to make it fun. I think that's nice. I think that's the argument, though, is that he doesn't make it fun enough. That's what I've heard. He's, he's understated on his big calls. Like that was that's where this rose up was. People were saying that it wasn't good enough Not for enough them emotion. on the call on Jose Altuve. Oh, the Altuve call was spectacular. I mean, he, his call is seamless. Taking the Houston Astros to the World Series, it was beautiful. Get over it. Hey. Seahawks played Sunday. It didn't go all that well. Let's find out about it. We head now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in Seahawks uh, beat writer for the Tacoma News Tribune. Greg Bell joins us every Monday after Seahawks games. Greg, thanks so much for being here. Tough game, obviously, for Seattle. First of all, you've seen Lamar Jackson a number of times, I'm sure, on TV and all that, but to be there in person and watch it in real time, what was that like on Sunday? Uh, He's just faster than anybody on the field. And that was the decisive factor in the game. But Bobby Wagner, nobody on the field was fast enough to catch up to Lamar Jackson once he got outside. The key to the game was containing him inside the pocket where all the good guys were and to keeping him in close quarters. Guys could be within arm's reach of him. Pass rushers could have a chance at him. And Quentin Jefferson in the first half, J.A. Mount Conley a little bit in the second half, failed at that. I thought the Seahawks erred in having Jefferson be the outside contain guy early in the game. He just was not fast enough. And after about three times Jackson beating Jefferson around the edge, they had Clowney go back outside, and Clowney also got beaten there. They had the Seahawks had Wagner as a spy, which I thought they would do even more than they did. Not a lot, maybe a handful of times. More often, Wagner was dropping deep in the cover. I mean, 20. 30 yards off the line of scrimmage, and Jackson was running into the place where Wagner ran from. Basically, the Baltimore receivers, especially the tight ends down the seams, were running clear-out routes, not for underneath 
receivers, but for Lamar Jackson to run in. Very unusual that you'd have an NFL offense do that, but that's basically in effect what the vertical routes down the middle of the field were doing. It was clearing out the middle of Seattle's defense. Seahawks are often in man coverage, but even in zone, Wagner had to drop, and there was this huge expanse of 20-some yards that Lamar Jackson ran into for many, many of his 111-yard rushing day. And, of course, the drive that ended it was highlighted by a 30-yard run by Jackson on that very play with Wagner in coverage, and they went on nine play in their nine-minute, 86-yard drive to the field that made it 23-13 and effectively ended the game. So they had no answer, even if they had almost every play by Bobby Wagner. I don't think Bobby Wagner would have been fast enough to catch up to Jackson anyway. Were you surprised by the fact that Lamar Jackson handled the pressure so well? Not only the pressure, that he handled the environment of Questfield so well for being such a young quarterback? Not really. And once you get to the NFL, he's now in his second year. They aren't real wide-eyed. That guy won the Heisman Trophy and played in big games in Louisville. And college football has become such a huge spectacle itself. Now, when they get to the NFL, the top players don't get really wowed by crowds and rain. That That's for players who are inexperienced, bottom of the roster, might get spooked. Got a backup quarterback coming in here. That's a factor. But a starting NFL quarterback, certainly one that's already proven himself as Jackson had that. That wasn't a big deal. I was surprised at how he outplayed Russell Wilson. And we talked last week. Everyone's been talking about this MVP candidate stuff. Let's wait. We got ten, nine more games to go. Every week, there's a new development. Now people are talking about Aaron Rodgers being an MVP candidate. All of a sudden, Russell Wilson is not an MVP candidate. When they were going to hand him a trophy last week, there are many, many more performances between now and that trophy and that uh, award, I should say, is uh, handed out. So let's not go too premature. Let's not anoint Lamar Jackson as the MVP. Uh, he still has a few more games to play it, itself, but that was an anomaly for Russell Wilson yesterday. It was his first sub-50% passing day since 2015, four years ago. The, the interception decision was just awful. I mean, that's something you'd see a high school JV quarterback do, a late throw out in the flat on a hitch stop route, a one yard when the defensive back is just sitting there camped on the receiver waiting to make a pouncing move, and that's what it was. A very lofted, slow pass. Uh, Marcus Peters, I mean, he could have walked into the end zone. He could have walked to get the interception. It was such an easy play. Something you just don't see Russell Wilson do. He had, interestingly, D.K. Metcalf wide open, breaking on a flag route out of the slot for a touchdown if he had looked to the left. But when he looked to the left, he was only looking at Tyler Lockett, who was covered off the line. But Metcalf had gotten off free on that play, and if he had thrown it to the last two, Metcalf, he had a touchdown. Instead, he gave a touchdown to the Ravens and 13-10 lead. It shouldn't have been. Up until that point, the defense had held him to two field goals and five first downs into the third quarter. Colt, there's something people may not know about us, but we work at a company. Imagine that. We don't just broadcast from our bedrooms. I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also have to do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here. We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full. That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all. And Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. 
In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution, or VoIP. It's called Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state-of-the-art with 24-7 local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit goblackfoot.com slash voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com backslash voice. Blackfoot takes care of us, Coulter, and it can take care of you. This this league is such a week to week league, Greg. And when you know Seattle, they tend to always play close games, and this is one of the sort of anomalous games. Will the Seahawks approach it that way, or let me ask you this: How do you think this reflects on Seattle? A lot, or not very much at all? And it's a long season, and just like everybody, hold tight. They're five and two, and they're fine. Well, I, I believe it reflects a little more than just one game in a couple ways. One, their pass rush still is not doing anything. Right. The only sack they've had in the last three games was because Lamar Jackson slipped on the wet field yesterday and Brandon Jackson happened to be around the neighborhood and tapped him on the shoulder when he was already on the ground. That was for zero yards. That was, that's been their one sack in three games. They only hit the quarterback one time yesterday. They've only hit him three times now in the last three, one time, excuse me, in the last three games. So that remains an issue. They get Clowney, they get Ansa, who now is inactive again, his third time inactive this season, and nothing has just gotten worse than last year when they had Frank Clark. Jen Reed came back yesterday, but not a huge factor in the pass rush game because, again, no one could catch up to Lamar Jackson. The other reason I think yesterday was a little more indicative than just one game, the Seahawks' five wins are against teams with losing records. Right. Including they've won one by one point for an 0-7 Bengals team. Their two wins, or excuse me, their two losses are against the only two winning teams they've played so far, the Saints and now Baltimore. That's an issue that they have not beaten the teams that they're going to have to beat those type of teams to make to in advance in the playoffs. Uh, that I think is a, a more indicative of more of a trend, and I think it speaks to the defensive issues and pass coverage and in pass rush right now that they have against anybody. Uh, every game's close because a lot of times the defense is not making plays and getting off the field when they need to. Greg Bell joining us from the Tacoma News Tribune. He covers the Seattle Seahawks for them. You can find him on Twitter at GBellSeattle. Greg, we cover so much college football around here, and week to week, oftentimes weaknesses that you didn't necessarily know a team had or weaknesses that teams have been able to mask jump to the forefront, and it's a talking point for us and for the team and everybody involved. You mentioned the pass rush. Any other weaknesses that jump to the forefront with this loss this week that Seattle needs to remedy going forward? Safety play. Cedric Thompson continues to give up big plays. He should not. The first drive yesterday, a 50-yard pass over the top, was just a simple seam route that he went uh, took a bad angle on and went up inside the, or underneath the receiver, and Jackson threw it over his head. Uh, Pete Carroll said that's a fundamental play. Thompson has given up a lot of those this year, and I think that Marquise Blair making his first NFL start yesterday at Strong Safety, having to because Bradley McDougal's back spasms wouldn't let him play. I think Blair is now poised to enter the starting lineup for good for the rest of the season. The second-round pick from Utah, the guy they drafted to play, not to sit, missed most of August with injuries, and that set him back through September, which is why he didn't see the field much except on special teams. 
But if McDougal can back, come back from back spasms, Carroll said they still have to see if he can this week. They think he'll be able to. I could see Blair and McDougal starting in Atlanta on Sunday and Tedrick Thompson take the seat. They benched Thompson for two series in Cleveland two games ago, and Lano Hill came in for one and Blair came in for one, and then Hill comes back in the game and makes a redemptive interception on a deflected pass from Shaquille Griffin in the end zone. And it seemed like, oh, okay, made another play. He's going to stick around. And then he gives up another really basic big play yesterday. This team every week has given up big plays in the passing game. Flea flickers against Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Uh, just blown coverages against the Rams. And then yesterday, just a bad misplay like Thompson had in the Cincinnati opener. So Cal prides his defense on making you earn drives. And eventually the offense will make a mistake or kill themselves and they have to punt, but not to give them anything, not to give them touchdowns and big 20, 30 chunk plays. Uh, that's been happening far too much for Carroll's liking. The number one rule in pass coverage in a PKL defense is don't get beaten over the top. They'll take the six and eight yard routes. Don't get beat deep for the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And they're doing too much of that, especially Tedrick Thompson right now. Great. There is a lot of anticipation, obviously, about Earl Thomas's return to Seattle. Seems like there's a fair amount there. What's your assessment of the way that played out Sunday? Kind of like I thought. There was a mix of boos and cheers pregame, and Thomas did not have a huge impact during the game itself. Then after the game, well, before the game ended, actually, Marlon Humphreys in, uh, picked up Nick Metcalf's fumble and ran into the end zone for the last touchdown. Thomas was woofing the teammates and <laughs> gesturing to the sideline not with a middle finger this time, but he was at least yelling it towards the <laughs> sideline. Uh, it's kind of what I expected. Then after the game, Kumbaya, everybody's hugging and exchanging jerseys. Wilson and um, Thomas exchange jerseys at midfield. And then Thomas runs off the field triumphantly twirling Tom Wilson's jersey over his head into the tunnel. After the game, he said all the right things, that he loves it here. He's great to come back here. Marlon Humphrey, thought, I thought, had the more revealing comments. His, the Ravens cornerback said, hey, we had his back all week. We told him that. We knew that the, they, the Seahawks gave up on him and thought he was done and that just didn't want him anymore. You, his quote was, we thought, they, the Ravens thought that it was a redemptive week and day for Earl Thomas. And this was more than just another game, and you can bet it certainly was. Well, Greg, we appreciate the time, as always, very much. Looking back at the Seattle Seahawks, the week that was, they're 5-2. and two. They head to Atlanta uh, this Sunday, so maybe a get-right game, especially if uh, Matt Ryan is not available for the Falcons. So we'll see how that transpires right. and, uh, and and catch up with you again in a week. Yeah, this, is a, this should be a good – I know they're going on the road and 10 a.m. start and all that stuff, but the Falcons are in disarray right now, 1-6. and six. Maybe Matt Ryan isn't playing. People are wondering if Dan Quinn's coaching future, whether he's going to stick around in Atlanta. This should be, if you're going to be a playoff team, you should win this game. We'll see next week where they stand. They're now a game and a half behind San Francisco, who's still undefeated. He covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Tacoma News Tribune. You can also find him at Seattle on Twitter. Greg, as always, we appreciate it very much. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Uh, Said, you know, 
yeah, I don't want to put too much into this one game, but I do put more into this game than I might into other games because, hello, they played two winning teams and they've lost both of those games. And the only teams that they beat have all been bad and they haven't even won those games convincingly. And so I think there's a lot to be said for that. Again, we probably don't find out much more about the Seahawks for another three weeks till they play uh, the currently undefeated San Francisco 49ers, who, by the way, also haven't really played anybody coming off a, uh, what, did they, what did they win? The 100-meter breaststroke against the Washington Redskins on Sunday in the, <laughs> the, in the swimming bowl. pool. Uh, but in any case, uh, you know, they, you know, they go to Atlanta. I mean, yeah, you definitely got to beat the Falcons at this point. Like you said, if you're a playoff team, this is just a gots to have it, you know, kind of deal. But, uh, you know, disappointing game for Seattle in the main on Sunday. But again, I... I take this as I do with, uh, you know, in, in uh, uh, the Big Sky Conference. It's a week-to-week thing. Part of it is matchup, and part of it is just how you play. Did you and play well? If Montana State and Sacramento State played again, if Montana and Sacramento State played again, I think the games would go very differently. By the way, I'm not saying that Sacramento State still wouldn't win both of those games again, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be, you know, 49 22 you know, the second time around, these things happen, though, in these isolate, not isolated, but in, in one week things. That's it. And now you got to move on and you got to keep going. So uh, uh, same thing for the Seattle Seahawks here, who are now 5-2 and two and still in very good shape, but a disappointing performance, uh, to say the least, on Saturday. Stutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to take a look at Around the Big Sky, the FCS Top 25, and hear from Jeff Choate uh, coming out of the bye week, heading into uh, uh, their game this weekend at North Dakota in Grand Forks, heading over to UND. Uh, we'll find out if Jeff Choate likes the fact that it's a conference game for him and not for uh, North Dakota, and we'll find out if Jeff Joe likes playing night games in California. I have uh, some news for you. He doesn't. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you, and you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Nuanas. Here's some sports news for you. Sacramento State completed the Big Sky Trifecta by dismantling the number 5 Montana Grizzlies on Saturday. Sac State's 49-22 victory over UM is the third straight league victory for the Hornets, a stretch that includes wins over number 22 Eastern Washington and number 6 Montana State. The Hornets are now 5-0 against FCS opponents on the season. Sack quarterback Kevin Thompson threw for 369 yards and four touchdowns, rushed for two more scores, and helped the Hornets put up 49 points in three quarters. Thompson is your Big Sky Offensive Player of the Week for the second week in a row and the FCS National Player of the Week. Sac State rolled on offense. They had 561 yards of total offense as well as 31 first downs. UM senior quarterback Dalton Sneed threw for just 140 yards and was picked off twice in the first half before leaving the game with a leg injury in the third quarter. 
Sneed was sacked five times. Backup Cam Humphrey sacked once as the Hornets added to their league-leading sack total. Sneed appeared on the Montana sideline in the fourth quarter on crutches. On the Grizz Sports Report on ABC Fox Television, Montana head coach Bobby Houck told Sean Rainey he did not expect Sneed to play Saturday against Eastern Washington. And finally, the University of Montana soccer team continues to roll on Saturday with a 4-0 win over Portland State. UM goalie Claire Howard notched her school record 25th career shutout. The Grizz 5-0-2 in league play. been telling you that we're going to give away a kegerator and a keg and it starts today and it is time get your phones ready to text in the word of the day it's two telling the one is 1029 espn radio swx montana television broadcasting live from the kurtz polaris studios kurtz polaris at 2904 west broadway in missoula highway 83 and see online at kurtzpolaris.com if you've missed anything in the show so far check it out on the podcast the two telling the one is podcast everywhere you get your podcasts you just search to tell Nuanas, it'll come up for you there. You can listen anytime you like. That's how a podcast works. It's great. It's brought to us by the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Okay, Coulter, a keg from Great Burn Brewery, a kegerator, you know, to keep it all cold and easily accessible from Fred's Appliance. And we're doing it via the word of the day. You're going to text in the word of the day every single day for the next three weeks, okay? And on Friday, the 8th of November, we're going to give this away to one lucky listener, okay? But you got to be with us every day. The more times you enter, the more opportunities you will have to win. You can enter just once a day, but you can enter every day anew, if that makes sense. The phone number to text, 406, area code 406 8184 And the word of the day today... On October 21st, 2019, the date of birth of my father, happy happy birthday, Dad. Beer is the word of the day. I don't know if that's what he would have picked. He would have probably chosen forest or trees, (laughs) something like that. But uh, it is beer because, you know, that's what you're trying to win. 200-8184, text BEER to 200-8184, and you will be entered for the keg and kegerator from two telling nuanas, your friends. Okay, that's what we are for you, uh, Coulter. The Montana State Bobcats coming off a bye, obviously coming off uh, a, a big loss at the hands of Sacramento State, uh, and Jeff Choate had a lot to say. Uh, did mention uh, how good Sacramento State is again. <laughs> you guys didn't believe me. I <laughs> believed a, you, Jeff. I did. Yeah. Did believe you that they're good, and they proved it again uh, this weekend. Uh, but, you know, the uh, the Bobcats trying to get rolling. A lot of times the bye week for the head coach and either, even coaches on the staff is used uh, not for this team, but for the future of the program on the recruiting trail. Uh, certainly that was the case for Jeff Choate. But he starts getting in. You know, Jeff Choate, is a, he is a meandering river of uh, information and storytelling when he sits up there. And uh, he uh, had a a lot to say, in particular, about scheduling games and what times they kick off, particularly when playing on the West Coast. Here you go. This is pure gold. We're ready to go at 6.30 every morning. You guys never come to practice. I can't believe it. (laughs) 
No, we're. I mean, I like I told our guys that, and they were all excited. You know, they're like, "Yeah, we're good. We're." I, our guys don't like the late kickoffs. Like going to. I, I mean, and I mean this sincerely, and I hope that I do get fined for saying this. If we go to California, we should never play a late game. It should not. They, that should be a rule in this league. Either that, or every time they come up here, we should make them kick off at seven o'clock Mountain when it's twenty-two degrees. You know, I, I just I think that's a that's. I mean, I understand why they're doing it, but. It makes no sense to me. This is how college football should be played. Like, if the revenue stream dictates that we have to play a late game, I get it. You know, if I'm playing in the Pac-12 and they say, hey, you're getting $35 million a year from the Pac-12 network and you're going to play this game at 8 o'clock Pacific, okay, it is what it is. But, I mean, every game in this league should be played between a 12 and a 2 o'clock kickoff. Every game. And uh, I would like to be on record as saying that. That was your Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. You are on record, Coach. Duly noted. I think my brother wanted to hug him after that. I can't <laughs> tell you how many times my brother has pounded on the table saying, college football's played between 12 and 2. That's it. Why do we have night games? Well, let me say this. As a fan, I love night games. Love them. But I understand why you would hate them as a player and or coach and every other thing. And or media member. And a media member, right. Yeah. Night games are a nightmare when you have to do a post-game show like we do and then have to write a story. I mean, my eyes are bleeding by 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it is. uh, There's a lot of work that goes into it. The poor newspaper kids that are still doing that Oh, you got to file your stories by the end of the third quarter. Right, right. Put it in there. Especially California because you got to lose an hour. Brutal. So, and I understand that, like, okay, you kick it off at seven, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock Pacific time, game's over at 9 or 10, you finish up with the showering and loading everybody up, now it's midnight, okay, and you're still in California trying to get to Bozeman, Montana, you know, it's 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 losing a day, you know, really, it is, it's like losing a day by playing at 6 or 7 p.m. as opposed to noon or 1, Uh when you are when you're traveling and especially when you're you're you know a ways away from your home place which let's be honest in the big sky conference often you are um jeff Trout was also asked about the fact that this is a conference game for the montana state bobcats but not for north dakota and if that's weird here's what he had to say it is a conference game yeah well i mean so thanks for pointing that out yeah you want to talk about that or should we just hold off i mean i'm probably gonna get fined for talking about our scheduling stuff so um it's a conference game for us. And I pointed that out to our players yet on Sunday. I make sure they understand the significance of this game for us. And uh, also pointed out that there's been a couple teams that have rolled out there to North Dakota and maybe not uh, understood the importance of that and paid the price. And so, I mean, this is a huge, huge game for us. I mean, huge game for us in terms of uh, with the way this season sets up, coming off the bye week, getting that taste out of our mouth from that Sacramento State who evidently – is a pretty good football team, you know. And so um, I tried to tell you guys that a couple weeks ago, but you didn't want to li- listen to me. So any other questions? Yeah, guys. <laughs> <laughs> covered it. It, it is it is a fa- it is so odd, man. North Dakota is just so weird. And by the way, we're hoping to uh, have Bubba Bubba Swagger, the head coach of uh, North Dakota, on later this week. We also uh, have Aaron Tom, Best as well. We also have Tom Miller, who's the uh, North Dakota beat writer for forever. I mean, forever and ever. He's mm. been the North Dakota beat writer for I think fifteen years since he was about twelve years old. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Thorough knowledge. I mean, Tom can't be any older than me, and he seriously has been at the Grand Forks Herald covering UND football for fifteen years. Yeah. So, regardless, uh, Tom said he will join us uh, pending 
his wife is due oh. on Wednesday. So he said, I'm out if that happens. I said, Tom, that's fine. <laughs> you did? You let him off the hook? I, I did. I did. I said, if that's that, not what we're here to do, we're here to work. <laughs> Regardless, it is a fascinating storyline, the fact that UND is still in the league, but not in the league, but in the league, but not in the league. It's a, it's a bizarre reality. I mean, yes. Sam Houston State whipped Nichols this week, and we've had a Sam Houston State beat writer on the show multiple times mm-hmm. on the FCS Speculators podcast, which, by the way, go check that out. You can find it on Spotify all your other podcast hosting platforms. But it said that Sam Houston State has the best defense in the country. They looked like they did on Saturday. They shut out Nichols 17-0, shut out the number nine team in the country. You, you pick a pitch a goose against anybody college football this day and age. That's Pretty impressive. Good. Yep. And that Sam Houston team went to North Dakota and lost. UC Davis, coming off of losses to North Dakota State and Montana, went to Grand Forks and lost. So this UND team has been exceptional at home. So Montana State's got to be on high alert because this, you know, this is what's so funny about when you're breaking down the schedule before the season starts. You're looking what the Cats got in front of them, and you're like, oh, well, Northern Arizona, new head coach, check that one off as a win. Cal Poly, 1-10 two years ago. Well, I must suck still. No Joe Prothrow, check that one off. Sac State, oh, they didn't win a conference game last year. They suck, check that one off. North Dakota, oh, they're not even a relevant team in the league anymore. Oh, that's going to be an easy win. It's like Choate said, you look at the film and they're not not close to as bad as you wish they were. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should, uh, Cole, to take a look around the uh, Big Sky Conference as it pertains to the newest Stats FCS poll, which came out today. Weber State uh, had a 51-28 win over Northern Arizona. They remain at number four in the nation. Sacramento State, which you knew they would, jumped from 15 up to number seven uh, after their win over Montana. Uh, they play at Cal Poly next week, so a big game for Sacramento State in-state there. Montana State, once again, moving up three spots during a bye, which Montana did a week before, but when people are losing ahead of you, that they go from 12 to 9, the Bobcats do. I'm telling you, when you're voting in this poll, man, you're looking at all these scores, you're looking at all these results and everything, and, I mean, if if winning is rewarded, then I always figure out, okay, where where were you ranked? What what did you do? Right. But I'm just not going to reward you for a loss. You know, it's sure. a quality loss. I'm dropping you, even if it's just a couple spots. And so, therefore, just by default, when you have a bye, you have a chance you to just, move up more than anything unless you have a premier win like Sac State. Montana drops five spots from five to ten. But here's in, what's interesting. Montana State nine, uh, the Grizzlies ten after their loss to the same team. There's four Big Sky teams in the top ten. As there has been. The right. only, it's just been a rotation. It's not Eastern Washington and UC Davis. I think that's the part that's a little bit surprising. Uh, UC Davis is at 22. They beat Southern Utah uh, not handily, but did win 33-25 over the Thunderbirds, and they have a huge matchup now this week with Weber State. That's a big, big game for both schools, but particularly for UC Davis. Uh, Eastern Washington, North Dakota, Portland State all receive votes uh, as well, but are not in the top 25. The ironic thing is for the Big Sky Conference, if you're just looking into covers, if Eastern Washington was to beat Montana, both those teams would be ranked. Montana would still be ranked in the top 25, and Eastern would get into the top 25. And depending on how things go, I mean, UC Davis, if they were to lose, they might drop out. But you could have six teams in the top 25 in the Big Sky Conference with with you know Port, Portland State and North Dakota, depending on how that goes, you know, right there as well. So it, it could be it could be loaded up. The problem is, is it really really good or is it cannibalism? Is it you know is it is everybody mediocre or is everybody just taking it out on each other? It's hard to know. Uh, but, you know, at this point in the season, the, the the Big Sky Conference is 
is still looking very strong as a conference. Well, when we were doing this put pencil to paper and speculate thing in the in the preseason, we pointed towards this weekend being the first weekend of Judgment Day, regardless mm-hmm. of how everybody was going to play out. Weber, UC Davis, Montana, Eastern Washington. Those are the yep. first games of reckoning. Now the fact that North Dakota's pretty good, Montana State's got to go there. So we're going to learn a lot about the league this specific weekend. And one more point before we go to the phone, because I know we have a call waiting no, look now, but Portland State's won five games. Yeah. Portland State's three and one in league play. Granted, their three game winning streak is against Southern Utah, Idaho, and Northern Colorado games that you would pick Portland State to win. But, but they a, did. a win's a win's a win's a win. And you're talking about a team that Bruce Barnum bottomed out a couple years ago and then they scrapped and clawed their way to four wins last year. And now they got five wins. It's impactful because incremental progress after the playoff season they had in his first year, that keeps the program alive. Quite literally, that's what Portland State's playing for. They're playing for it to keep football yeah. at Portland State. Right. So every win is of gigantic, of even way greater consequence of it than any other team in the league. 329-1899, the phone number. We go to the phones right now. We welcome in Scott to the show. Wants to talk some Grizz football. Hi, Scott. What do you got? Hey, I got a couple points I wanted to make. Go sure. right ahead. Yeah, the um, I was listening uh, off and on in the car to your uh, Montana hour about the uh, um, Grizzly game. Yeah, and there's a couple points that uh, I thought worth bringing up. One of them you talked about. Uh, well, first of all, are they 27 point team better than we are? I don't think so. They definitely were the better team that day. But uh, there was a stretch in the first half where um, the second interception that Snead throws. Um, First of all, should have been caught by the receiver. Controversial no doubt. Yep. And it actually hit the ground. I couldn't believe they didn't never, review it. That's a great point. I could not believe yeah. they did not review that, regardless of which side of this thing you're on. Couldn't believe they didn't review it. And if they if they review that, um, who knows? Maybe we continue the drive. They don't. They don't. Uh, uh, what uh, what did uh, what was your comment? A uh, uh, haymaker they delivered. I don't know that they get a chance to deliver that. We come out. Less of a margin in the second half with a whole different uh, scenario. And if you believe in uh, believe in karma and the type of plays you're running, maybe Snead doesn't get hurt and uh, we have a chance to win that thing. Yeah, well, Scott, I appreciate the call. I think you know, look, man, there's there's a lot of. Uh, ways that things could go, right? The modal world is a big world and the possibilities that exist on how a game can, you know, progress, particularly if you think that there shouldn't have been a turnover on a particular play. Here's here's where I'm at, and I don't even really touch this stuff. In the Big Sky Conference, the re- look, man, at the NFL level, reviews are insane. Look at the Charger-Tennessee game, okay? Just as an example, look at the, what is it, two for 30 now that coaches are on reviewing pass interference calls and all that. Like, the 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 reviews and the calls that are made and not made, when you talk about this at the professional level, is crazy. To say nothing of what's going on at the Big Sky Conference level. And so it just doesn't, you just have to, not you, Scott, personally but everybody you have to accept the reality of what it is at this level and these guys are they're professional referees okay and they're trained and they're good broadly speaking at what they do but they're not at the level that a lot of them are and that is just going to be part of the way that these games go uh whether those calls are missed or not the other thing is is when you at the point that you got to say you know if there wasn't a turnover then this happens and then, you know, maybe then they don't score a touchdown. Then maybe Dalton Sneed doesn't get hurt. You know, there's a lot of things that you're kind of that, – that, that 
that are trying to go right to even give you the possibility of trying to win the game. All I'm saying is all that stuff notwithstanding, Sacramento State, they're not 27 points better than Montana, but they were Saturday, yeah. period. I mean, they just were better in every facet, and I don't think that's deniable. Well, and I agree with your your, your premise that, that complaining about bad officiating in the Big Sky Conference is going to get you quite literally nowhere because it's, it's just it, it's just the status quo at this mm-hmm. point more often than not. But to me, it wasn't necessarily the poor call, but it was the timing. Because Montana, again, is down 18-15. Dalton Cedar just had that great touchdown run to cut it to 18-15. Sac responds with a tremendous, their best drive of this whole three-game winning streak, their best drive of the entire thing was the 14-play, 84-yard drive where uh, Parker Clayton catches the touchdown in the back of the end zone on a perfectly thrown ball by Kevin Thompson, and that pushes the lead to 28-15 with... with uh, Three minutes to play. It was 18-15 when Dalton Sneed scored the touchdown. They did kick a field, they got a field goal, goal after but, that, but, the Grizz, but then the big but drive. But it's 21-15 at this point, and the yeah. Grizz had figured some stuff out. They'd, they'd gotten a stop. Mm-hmm. It actually broke in the chain, and you're thinking, okay, they push it to 28-15, but still, we have the ball. Montana's got the ball. If they can fabricate any sort of points, even just a field goal and cut it to 10, because when they threw that interception and it, the play was not overturned, Smari Torrey, it looks like the ball hits the ground. It doesn't. It pops up. Malik Jeter intercepts it. Thompson takes two shots. Bam, 40-yard touchdown. And now sacks up 35-15, yeah. and they get the ball in the second half. I always liken these high-powered offenses now to playing college NCAA football, the video game. That's how you have to play. When you're playing against your buddy, you got to get the turnover. You pick to kick at the beginning of the game because you want the ball at the second half. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, if you could get that score right before halftime and then you get the ball after the half and you get the score again, your buddy's never going to catch you. That's exactly how these college football games go now when you're just trying to break serve. And it does. It influences the play calling. Because being down even 14 compared to 20, and Sac State's got the ball, you call plays different. Say you're down 10, different. When you're down... 35 to 15, and then Sack scores on the first drive of the second. Now you're down 42 15. Now you can't you can't run the same stuff. One thing leads to the other in Montana's offense, and they scrapped so much of it, and it made them one dimensional. But also when you when when Sack State's up 42 15, now you, they know you're throwing the ball down the field. They just tee off on you, and that's how they get six sacks. So it did. One thing led to the to the next, and I think it really hurt Montana. Here's the thing, though. Also, though, on that Coulter. The best drive of the day, like you said, is culminates in, in Clayton's touchdown. Five minutes and 53 seconds. Sit, what was it, 16 plays, 14, 14 play, plays? 14 plays, 84 plays. Yep. I mean, that is, that's not a big play where somebody blew a coverage. That is just getting marched up and down the field and a touchdown as a result of that. Then you have the turnover. Look, man, the, turno- the touchdown, turnover, touchdown, and then the ball out of the half, that's a sequence that you just don't overcome. So I, I I understand that because it became twenty one to nothing in you know in three possessions basically with a turnover mixed in there right at the end of the half. So it's a killer for Montana. I don't dispute that as such. But they go five minutes fifty three seconds on fourteen plays, and guess what? The first drive out of the half, eleven plays, seventy five yards, six minutes seven seconds for a touchdown as well. I mean, I understand why the turnover and the touchdown makes you, you know, throws you off, but also at no point either before or after was the Montana defense able to stop Sacramento State in any way. And so 
I'm just reticent to hang too much on that, I guess is what I, you know, okay, so it's not 42-15, it's 35-15. It's still a 20-point margin with halfway through the third quarter. And is that a different game than a, you know, 22, uh, a 27-point margin? Yes, it is, certainly. But also, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, uh, it's not sort of the game isn't hanging in the balance to me at that point. You know, that's, that's all. Sacramento State was dominant. They're the number seven team in this nation. They deserve to be that. At least you voted them number four. You voted them above Weber State in your stats poll. I did. I mean, if you go destroy Montana State of Montana, the number six, number five teams in the country, this was no, like, holding on for an upset or having a two-minute draw. I mean, they straight wiped the turf with these two yep. teams. They killed them. Yep. And, again, the thing and, – and, you know, Bobcat fans will say, hey, it's only 34-21. Well, Cats got a garbage-time touchdown late. They also needed a Troy Anderson fourth down. I mean, the Bobcats went for it eight times on fourth down in that game. It's crazy. Just to keep it close. They got it five of them, and by the way. I, again, you know, everybody in the state's going to want to argue, well – you know, the Cats are in a better spot now because the Cats got that loss out of the way going into a bye, and they only lost 34-21. The Grizz got killed 49-22. The Grizz quarterback got hurt. On the other side, they'd say, well, you lost on your home. The Grizz fans say, you lost on your home field. You lost on homecoming. And Sac State pulled off the gas with 20 minutes to play in that game and just kind of let – and they exploited your weaknesses. I don't think you can play the tit for tat. At the end of the day, Sacramento State exploited thoroughly both teams' weaknesses. Truly, I haven't really seen a team that has put – the, Monta- the Montana schools on d- full display in terms of what their weaknesses are and exploited them so thoroughly like Sac State did the last two weeks. It's 2 tell and one It's 1029 ESPN Radio. We appreciate the call. Look forward to having more of them as we go through the week. Take a quick break. On the other side, Monday Night Football tonight, World Series Game 1 tomorrow. Hold on to your hats, boys and girls. Colt, there's something people may not know about us, but we work at a company. Imagine that. We don't just broadcast from our bedrooms. I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here. We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full. That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all. And Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution, or VoIP. It's called Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state-of-the-art with 24-7 local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit goblackfoot.com slash voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com backslash voice. Blackfoot takes care of us, Coulter, that can take care of you. Okay, this game is in New York, uh, which means nothing whatsoever. The uh, New England Patriots, shockingly, are only a 10-point favorite over the Jets, though certainly the Jets, when they got Sam Darnold back, looked considerably better, like almost like an NFL football team uh, where they got their first win of the year last week. But it is still the Jets, and it is still the Patriots, and uh, it's going to be a long night for... Uh, for the fellas in the booth calling this one, it seems to me. 
better have some good Brady and Giselle stories ready to go, you know, because at some point you're just, you're just tapped out. I mean, Booger McFarlane, God bless him. He's the greatest, but I just don't know how he's going to do it. I mean, by the middle of the fourth quarter, there's only seven people left in the stadium. It's just hard. Yeah, except for you just obviously haven't been watching football the last couple of weeks. Nothing goes as it seems. Even the Dolphins are covering spreads easily these days. What do we see the last couple of weeks in the NFL and in college football cross board? The NFL is not FCS. losing at all. I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm just saying that to predict that it's going to be a blowout was will almost ensure that it will not be, in fact, a blowout. 50 points. Oh, man, what do you want? What do you want to bet? I'll bet you anything. That the Patriots D points. I'll bet you a hundred bucks. The Patriots do not score fifty or win by fifty. Well, it would be hard to win by fifty if you didn't score fifty. Well, I bet you a hundred bucks that neither of but those. But if things any happen. team can score negative points, it's the Jets. <laughs> Start at zero. That's your high water mark. Go the wrong direction. Oh my gosh! What do you want to bet? Joe I bet Tessitore. you anything. No, come on now. It's not going to be fifty points. It might. You're be. right. It's probably going to be like six. No. It, 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 the it, spread's ten. Seventeen easily. Here's the thing, man. You want it? Yeah, I'll give you 17. The Jets? What do you want to bet? Are you 17 points? No. Listen, you pay up what you owe me, and then we'll start building that back well, up. If you get rid of your family, we could. <laughs> <laughs> when you make bets with me that revolve around going to the bar, yeah. you're the one that has you, restrictions. You know, it, I could go right now. That's true. No, I got things to do. That's why I like I like holding it over you. You know what I mean? So that it's a really good time. Maybe I can create some interest out of this thing, you know? This is like when I bet my buddy, when Robert Griffin III was at his fever pitch with the Washington Redskins, Mm. I bet him $100 to be paid on the spot, Vikings, Redskins, Vikings, or the Redskins. It was Robert Griffin's like 180-yard rushing game. He had that 77-yard touchdown Mm -hmm. off the sidelines when he was running 600 miles per hour. Vikings get wiped. We're at a bar, uh, like at the base of Big Sky. So he says, you're, you know, you're paying up right now. Okay, cool, pay up 100 bucks." And then we're sitting there looking at each other halfway cross-eyed already, and I'm like, well, now what are we going to do? How are we going to get home? There's no Uber. <laughs> we just drank the $100. Ski. Yeah, right. So we're calling, yeah, never mind. We won't tell the end of the story, but regardless. What does collect, that have to do collect with anything? Your, collect your bet. Oh, I see. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm good for it, is I, what I'm saying. I understand. I understand. Here's what I think. I think that uh, New England is the only sure thing in the NFL, at least in the AFC right now. And the Jets are close to a sure thing insofar as as not the Patriots in the AFC East. They're not good. And so I got the New England Patriots winning this thing going away. And you're right. Now that I've said that, it probably doesn't happen. But 17 points seems very easy to me. Easy. Not bettable. Easy for the Patriots. I just think that there's only a couple teams in the NFL that are going to get absolutely whipped this year, and I don't think the Jets are one of them. I don't think the Jets are good by any means, but the Jets are not in that bottom tier of five. They're not with the Dolphins. I mean, if you're the bottom tier of five in the NFL is five of the worst ten teams in the last decade in the NFL. Well, right, but what I'm saying is like it's just such a revisionist and or naive fans way of looking at things that oh my gosh the Patriots are just going to win by a hundred and the commentators aren't going to have any the Jets are going to fight their absolute butts off for the duration of this game and it will be closer than you think the Jets will probably never lead for one second but the Patriots will probably not lead by more than two scores until very late in the fourth quarter so they're going to win by 17 I give you 17 points what do you want to bet (laughs) 
mean, just Noodle <laughs> Express lunch tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just saying what I'm saying. Coulter, tomorrow uh, we will have it for you here. World Series Game 1. Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer. Talk about a couple of aces going for I cannot wait. I mean, if Max... Who are you going for? I am probably... I, first of all, I, I don't know that I'm going for anybody. I really like both these teams. I guess I would lean towards the Nationals just because they're the team that hasn't had it. And especially a guy like Max Scherzer, who... who it's it's a fool's errand to like try and judge who quote unquote wants it more, who cares more about it, and and particularly in some you know reading body language. But I would say this: there is nobody I've seen ever that is out there more doggedly competitive and overtly going after you every single time he has a chance to do anything with the game than Max Scherzer. I mean, I watched him in an all-star game walk out there like it was game one of the World Series and just flamethrow going after dudes. And, I mean, I understand the the, the all-star game. That's what you do when you're going to pitch for one inning and you want to, you know, prove it against the best. And and, and he, this guy is just he's, – he's in a whole nother realm to me at a, uh, from a co- competitive standpoint, not to mention, you know, the ace of aces right now uh, as far as it goes. And, by the way, Garrett Cold – Garrett Cole shut down the Yanks twice. I mean, he just absolutely mowed through the New York Yankees. So I think this is going to be a short, low-scoring game, which, of course, means it will be a six-hour, 20-run affair tomorrow night. But I can't wait for this one. I probably lean towards Washington, but I think that Houston, but Houston's rotation is, <laughs> I mean, too good to be true. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you – these are the two best pitching staffs in baseball going head-to-head. The Astros Starting are better hitters. The Nationals' bullpen sucks, though, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know enough about I these mean, things I don't to know. say. The National Pundit said they had the worst bullpen in the history of a playoff team. Patriots. But they turned the corner. 42. Jets, 25. Book it. We'll see you tomorrow. ESPN Radio. Have you been hurt or Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.